Hello, and thank you for listening to True Crime Cam. This week's episode is going to be a collection of creepy, scary, criminal Reddit stories. I didn't have time to do a regular episode this week because I'm working on a bonus episode for the Patreon members. Also, if the audio sounds a little different, it's because I'm in another spot. I had to move my recording equipment just temporarily, so I'm sorry if it sounds super different. Anyways, let's get into it. Okay, this one is from r slash ask reddit and it's titled what is your scariest true story and this reply is from nine years ago and this account has since been deleted they said when i was young i'd say eight or eleven ish my sister whom is seven years older would babysit me when my parents were out at the time she smoked a lot and my parents made her smoke outside of course So I'd follow her outside into the carport, which faced the street, and play around, annoy her and such. One day my sister notices a car at the end of the driveway, just sitting in the road. It's a white SUV, I believe a mid-90s bravada, bravado, not sure, with a bike rack on top. It has the most tinted windows I have ever seen. You could not see inside from the side. It sat there until she went inside, then would drive to the end of the road and sit at the church parking lot and wait wait until she'd come out again for another smoke, and it would repeat this. Odd, but my sister is a brave lady and just kind of ignored it. That is, until the next day, while my parents were out again and it showed up again. It would sit at the end of the driveway and just... watch? I don't know what the driver was doing, but he was watching my sister. If I didn't go out, I'd watch from the front window, and it would just sit there and watch my sister. She told my father, who was a sheriff deputy at the time, and he called the cops and made a complaint. They showed up, looked around, but the SUV was nowhere to be seen. Months went by, and nothing. Then one day, a good nine months after this had all started, and four-ish since the last sighting, it was back. It became a regular occurrence. Another day, my sister was outside doing her nasty habit, and sure enough, here it comes. This time, we were alone as usual, and she decides she's had enough. She tells me to stay in the carport, and she's going to go confront them. She starts walking toward the SUV, and halfway down the driveway, she would later remark to us, I felt utter terror, like I knew if I went any further, I was dead. I was paralyzed by pure fear. She turned around and went inside. Finally, the family car was in the shop for some kind of issue, so we were all stuck home for a night and had to get delivery, etc. While my parents are home, my sister goes outside to smoke. I go outside with her, and eventually the SUV shows up. She tells me to run inside and tell my father, and I do. My dad promptly gets his gun and starts briskly walking down the driveway with it in hand, in the direction of the SUV, but not leveled towards it. The SUV floored it, down the road and peeled out onto the nearby large highway. My dad, being a cop, noted the year and model and distinguishing features. The scariest thing? The license plate had been covered in duct tape. We never saw it again, and my sister just kind of shrugs it off now. Okay, this one is from r slash let's not meet. It was posted eight years ago, and it's titled The Man in the Woods. This is a story that my father has told me multiple times. My dad is a logger, specifically one who operates a tree saw, which is basically a giant machine that is capable of cutting down massive trees and cutting them to a specified length, which means he spends a lot of time alone in the deep forests. The way my dad's logging crew was set up is that he would be told where he was supposed to cut down trees, and he would go do that and be paid based on the amount of trees he cut, not on how long it took him. 
So my dad used to work 16 to 20 hour days constantly to get done as quickly as possible, and then the rest of the crew would come clean up the trees and ship them to the mill. He used to work around 50% of the time alone, and the rest of the time with another tree saw operator named Rini. They would use radios to communicate back and forth. This is relevant down the line. Sorry for all the backstory, but this is the start of the story. My dad and Rini were put on a new job site and were about 10 days in, and everything was going as planned. But they were constantly hearing weird chitter-chatter over the radio that was such poor quality, no words could be heard. And whatever radio channel they changed to, it followed them. As they progressed through the job and went further up the mountain, the words from the radio slowly became more audible. Both of them agreed, based on the small parts of conversations they could hear, that something was wrong. They also started finding weird containers all over the place, and signs that people had been here. People should not have been here. This was a two and a half hour drive up a mountain. They had to spend three weeks clearing out the road so their trucks and equipment could make it up. They came to the realization that they are in a very secluded area, with people who shouldn't be there. And the worst part is that they aren't scheduled to leave for about another week. They would only leave to refuel the fuel truck with gasoline for the machines. They would buy supplies and sleep in campers. One day, Rini comes across a tent and calls my dad over. They investigate the tent and find one lone sleeping bag and a duffel bag. They investigate the duffel bag and find many pairs of children's underwear and things that appear to be a rape kit, like rope, duct tape, sketched images of children being molested, and photographs of children that appear unaware they are being photographed. In the tent, they also find a small amount of food, which includes canned goods and an apple, which proves the tent has been occupied recently because there is no mold on the apple. They are now on the mountain alone, with which, at best case scenario, is just a really fucked up individual. Rini instantly wants to get the fuck out of there, but my dad, being the hardest working person I've ever met, insists that they need to finish the job and get the fuck out of there. They decide that they will not talk over the radios except in cases of emergency, and see if they can hear something over the radio. They are now in close enough range of whoever has been talking over the radio to hear the conversations between two men about collecting water and wood for the fire. Nothing abnormal except for the fact that these guys don't fucking belong here, and that the tent was undoubtedly theirs. At the end of the workday, my dad hears them on the radio talking about one of them collecting brush for a fire. My dad hops on the radio and attempts to communicate with them about what the fuck they are doing. I believe he said, who are you and what are you doing here? After this, the conversation between the men abruptly stops, and they never pick up. That night, Rini wakes my dad up and whispers for him to get his gun. Someone's outside. My dad has told me that the first thing he hears when he wakes up is a quiet shuffling of footsteps. My dad fumbles for his gun and finds it, but realizes that he fucking doesn't have it loaded and has little clue where his rounds are, and Rini has nothing. The thought of calling police is absurd for multiple reasons. They hear a jiggle on the doorknob and it opens. The camper is far enough off the ground to where you had to jump in and there is no ladder slash footstool. It just stays open, and neither my dad nor Rini move. They hear scratching right outside the door, though. After four minutes of scratching, my dad can no longer take it, and nods at Rini. He gets up quietly and walks towards the camper door, and the second he reaches it, he is met with intense pain across his right eye, all the way to his left cheek. He has been cut, and falls out of the camper, hitting the ground hard. A man with a knife gets on top of him, and he is soon being kicked in the top of the head by a man behind him. Rini leaps out of the trailer and manages to get the man off my dad, and my dad gets up and realizes that the second man without the knife is running away, 
and the man with the knife is scrambling away from Rini and starts running alongside his accomplice. My dad and Rini get into the truck and drive to the nearest hospital to treat my dad's cuts and later report the events to the police. They both quit their jobs, and two weeks later, as the rest of the logging crew was finishing up the job, one of them was found gagged, bound, raped, murdered, and thrown into a ditch. No one has ever been convicted of these crimes. To this day, my dad can hardly see out of his right eye, and the pupil is disfigured, and looks more like a cat's eye than a human's. He suffers PTSD from these events, and hasn't slept a good night of sleep since. So, reading OP's comments, apparently this happened in 1996, and he replied to someone's comment and said, The police tracked foot tracks leading into western Montana and investigated leads all the way to Libby, Montana, until the leads went dry. Two weeks later, a child was abducted, raped, and murdered in neighboring Troy, Montana. So, let me look this up real quick and see if this is actually true. Okay, so I only found one thing relatively close to what this person described, which kind of makes me think that the story's made up. That's usually how it goes on Reddit, but... So, I found this suspected cannibalistic serial killer named Nathaniel Benjamin Levi Bar Jonah. Um, he was born David Paul Brown in 1957, and at the age of seven, he attempted to strangle a little girl to death. And at the age of 12, he sexually assaulted a six-year-old boy. When he got to 18 years old, he abducted an eight-year-old boy and murdered him. The boy's name was Richard O'Connor. In 1977, he pretended to be an FBI agent and kidnapped and tortured two little boys. He ended up being tried and convicted of attempted murder. He received the maximum sentence, but was later transferred to a state hospital. And just seven years after being sentenced, in 1984, he changed his name to Nathaniel, and a judge ended up granting his release, and then he moved to Great Falls, Montana. And in Montana is where he would kill another little boy. So yeah, that's the only thing kind of relevant to this person's story that I could find, which makes me think it's not true, and I couldn't find anything about a logger being murdered. If that happened to a logger, that would be all over the news. This case is wild though, I think I'm going to do an episode on this because I've never heard of it and it's insane. Okay, this next one is from r slash let's not meet. It was posted two years ago and it has a bunch of awards. It's titled, This happened quite a long time ago, yet it is never too far from my mind. We continue to feel very lucky to have survived whatever might have happened. Read and tell me what you think. It was a long time ago, before cell phones were prevalent, and I was a mom in my early 30s who had just driven our kids to the pediatrician. The Macon, Georgia doctor's office was an hour away from our home, and I was just taking the two youngest of my three, then ages one and three years old, to our scheduled appointment. Because we lived so far away, their offices always gave us the last two appointments of the day, and we were grateful. The doctor had just built a new building, off of a fresh spur of the highway, so the location was quite isolated in every direction, but a very nice facility compared to the old spot by the hospital there. His new building was also pretty far back on the new lot, and my car, a black Jeep Cherokee we owned for two years, was one of the only four or five cars in the parking lot when we arrived. I parked near the front door, removed the kids from their seats, and for the next hour or so we waited, then saw the doctor, paid, and finally exited back outside. My car was the only one left in the lot as I loaded the children in their car seats for our trip home. 
But as the receptionist locked the front glass doors, my car somehow wouldn't start when I turned the key. There was just an odd clicking noise. Gathering the children once again, I knocked on the door until someone allowed us back in and asked to borrow their phone to call a nearby garage for service. I found one in the phone book and the man said that he would come, but that it might be a bit. So I told him my location, left to go back out to the car, rolled down all the windows, and loaded the children back into their seats once more as we waited. Soon we watched as the lights were turned out in the building again and everyone left, their cars departing one by one from behind the building somewhere, leaving us now completely alone in the parking lot. As it was still light, I spent a lot of that time trying to tend to the children, digging through our car for snacks and a bottle, making sure they weren't getting too hot, etc. Although the service station attendant said that it was probably going to be quite a while, I was pleasantly surprised when a truck pulled into the empty parking lot pretty soon and a man got out of his pickup, smiled and nodded to me, and said he was going to raise the hood. He was middle-aged and a bit scruffy, but quite frankly, many gas station attendants sometimes looked that way, especially at the end of the day, and I was grateful when he began doing something under the hood almost immediately. I sat down again in the driver's seat with the door open, waiting for him to tell me to try the engine but he seemed to be taking a long time checking the connections, and I longed for him to just grab jumper cables, yet he never did. Without getting out of the car, I asked him what he thought was wrong, and he said, oh, it's just a loose wire, not the battery, and continued whatever he was doing. I couldn't see his face at all from where I was sitting, but his hands were slightly visible through the long horizontal slit between the windshield and the raised hood as we waited. More than once, he said that it was merely a loose wire, and if I would just come up here really quick, he would show me which one it was, so it would never happen again. I remember kind of smiling and shaking my head, saying that sadly there was no reason to show me anything as I didn't know anything about cars. I just thanked him and continued to stay in the driver's seat, again just waiting for the inevitable signal to try to start the ignition that was most surely coming any moment. At one point, I remember thinking he was definitely flirting as he spoke, but I was trying above all to be polite and kind, as he was indeed helping us. We were hot and tired and miserable, and truthfully, I was distracted with the kids. Oddly enough, he was starting to sound a little frustrated with me, because I wouldn't come up and look at the engine. I remember thinking that I certainly didn't want to make him mad, to the point where he left us there all alone, with the sun sinking so quickly. And then the strangest thing happened. Another truck suddenly pulled into the desolate parking lot, and as it did, the nice guy working underneath my hood suddenly slammed it shut, ran to his truck, started it, and drove away very quickly, without even saying a word of goodbye. I was both confused and a little anxious when he did this, because I didn't know who was now arriving. I even remember feeling a little frightened that he had suddenly left me there alone with two little ones, defenseless. As this new, also unmarked pickup truck pulled in next to me, I got out of the car once again, this time more apprehensively. Upon exiting, though, he immediately introduced himself, and his name and voice seemed to match who I had spoken to on the phone much earlier. He then actually called me by my name, apologized for being so late, and finally smiled and stared towards the road, pointing and asking who the man was that had just left so suddenly. Relieved and unfazed, I just smiled back in surprise and told him, Well, I don't know. I thought all this time he was you. And we both laughed slightly as he then grabbed jumper cables, walked to the front of my car, raised the hood, and started to work. While listening for the familiar words, Try it, I had my back completely turned towards the children, when he surprised me suddenly coming to the driver's side door. In the strangest voice, he said, Um, ma'am, is this yours? 
and when I looked into his hands, he was holding a long, thin, dagger-like looking device that was about a foot and a half in length. It appeared to be very old and covered with reddish rust, yet on the end it had tiny, circular, small finger holes, as if it was a mix of a long, thin sword and scissors, oddly combined. I asked him where he had found them. Under the hood, he replied. Okay, I'm not going to read the rest of this story because it's obviously fake with the amount of details this person is recalling. And the story that they're telling is like super, super long when it could be just like one paragraph. But basically, the mechanic fixed her car. She kept the weird long sword looking thing and made a police report about it. And the OP was also like, and there was a bunch of women going missing around that time and murders and no one was ever caught. Sometimes, even if I have a sense that a story is fake, I'll keep reading it, but this one, I just couldn't do. It's like so long, so obviously fake, and so many unnecessary words and descriptions. Okay, that's it. And before I go, I want to give a special shout out to the new Patreon members. Thank you so much to Nikki Biddle and Jackie. For Patreon members, I have a special episode coming up for you all that I'm still not done researching, but I have about three pages so far, and it's sort of like last week's episode because it's about a murder that was inspired allegedly by a film. And hopefully I'll have that done before I go out of town on Saturday. But yeah, that's it, and I hope you all have a good day, evening, or night. Goodbye.